Welcome to the Mend Podcast, composed of one dude sitting in his pickup truck outside a horse arena while his daughter practices drill team. And I'm a working man, so I'm recording the podcast while I sit in here and wait for my daughter to do her thing. Dads everywhere can probably appreciate that dedication to your kids and their hobbies. But back to my hobbies. Let's talk about big casts, big rods, big fish. This is going to be a spay casting podcast. So I trout fish most of the time, but I live in the Pacific Northwest. So I do have unbelievable opportunities to spay fish for steelhead and sometimes salmon, but steelhead are generally more aggressive and amenable to the fly uh, here in the Northwest. And I got out spay fishing twice this last week and it was awesome. Uh, I pegged this steelhead each day, uh, landed them and one for one each day, uh, excuse me, one for two day one. Then I went back four days later and I went one for one the next time. So I'm going to kind of break down, um, just spay fishing in general. I'll try to make it appealing to everybody and, uh, teach you a little bit about just the kind of the tech, the techniques, the tackle, kind of just a general breakdown. And, uh, I'll try to keep the podcast about 20 minutes. So, uh, the place I was fishing, I was fishing on the Snake River, uh, that separates Idaho and Washington. And, uh, it is absolutely huge water, but, uh, there are some spots there. Uh, if you get in the right spots, I mean, the river's flowing, uh, 22,000 CFS. So, I mean, it is like gigantic. So, for those that have seen my videos or YouTube videos where I'm at most of the time at Reds, picture a river 10 times that size. And that's where we're fishing. So, uh, it, it's absolutely enormous. So, um, spay fishing on the Snake River and, uh, we went down and we've fished it before. I'm pretty familiar with most of the spots. I like to fish there at various water levels, but it'd been a couple of years since I went down. But my business partner, Steve, uh, just, he, he got all hot and bothered and needed to go down there, go spay fishing one day. So, uh, we went out with, uh, our chef at Canyon River Grill, Kevin Davis, uh, whom is an absolute steelheading fanatic. Uh, he's also our chef. Guys actually had a restaurant called the Steelhead Diner, kind of a landmark uh, in the Seattle area, um, and uh, shut it down when uh, we all got blindsided by the COVID uh, super pandemic. So uh, Steelhead Diner is no more, but Kevin is still steelhead fishing, which is awesome. And he is a heck of a spay caster, um, by the way. So we jammed down and, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the, the fishing there. And it really is kind of almost classic spay fishing, you know, this modern trout spay stuff with these tiny little skagit heads. It's like, I watched a video by Simon Gosworth the other day, cause I want to polish up my casting a little bit and he's a good teacher. And he's got a couple of videos that are like kind of on that extreme kind of advanced it's for that that top five percenters of casters some of the tips that he gives out um he's got some great basic ones too but um the ones i was watching uh were much more advanced but what basically what simon was saying in, in such polite terms was like i'm gonna completely is really not what he was saying because simon's a really nice guy but 
this trout space stuff with these tiny heads is really not even spay casting. It's just so easy to kind of fake your way through it. I mean, these little short heads, you can have a really bad cast and still get, you know, all the distance you need with these little tiny heads. Um, you can still kind of cast. There's a very, there's a very uh, finite ceiling to the efficiency and distance you can get out of those short heads. And then you start getting into more traditional spay casts and using mid spays and uh, traditional spay lines, which might have 60 foot heads. There's no room for mistakes. The cast is a complete and utter failure if you make a mistake. But the cool thing is those loops are like super long heads and they shoot beautifully across the river and they have a real nice clean structure to them. And you aerialize a lot more line and it's more efficient, it's better distance, and it's more pure, I would say. Like, uh, I don't really have a great analogy for it, uh, but it just seems real. Um, the, the spay cast through the trout space stuff, it's fun and all that, but if you really think you're good at that trout space stuff and maybe that's where you started, try picking up, say, Scandinavian lines uh, to start and get a little bit of a challenge. And you'll really get a good rush out of it because when you put together a tight loop and a cast with a Scandi line, the raw line speed and distance and control you have with those is really incredible. Um, Skagit style fishing, um, I equate it a little bit more to like driving a dump truck. Uh, it, it's good for carrying and it, it's noisy and it's loud and it's heavy and clunky and it kind of wobbles as you drive down road, but it can deliver a heavy parcel across town pretty easily versus like uh let's just say uh you know a cadillac escalade um that you could drive you know a package all the way across the country or the state very straight fast and efficiently and the cadillac escalade is real cozy and it'll go real straight and fast on the highway and it'll deliver a mid-sized package out there at a long ways away very effectively skagit dump truck you're just moving heavy stuff across town okay so i watched some of these videos and when you get down and you fish say traditional spay water like big water where distance matters you know and raw coverage matters it is really cool to be able to let those bigger rods eat up some line and make some bigger casts. I really, really like it. Um, it can be a little bit daunting for the beginner or the untrained caster. So when I got set up to go on the first day of spay fishing down there, uh, I dialed in a new rod on Wednesday and uh, got it what I consider to be super tuned. But actually, I make a few adjustments. Uh, uh, after I field tested, but I worked, I gave it a little workout at the shop and it was a, uh, new Sage Sonic 7136-6. And what that means for those of you that speak in English and not numbers, that is a seven weight that is 13 foot six inches and breaks down into a miraculous six pieces and uh super cool rod. Um, a little bit stiffer, stiffer than the, the four piece version of that rod. Um, ferals are going to stiffen it up, but, uh, I really like the rod and I really thought it'd be cool. I need, you know, I, I often sell off my demo gear cause I'm constantly testing the newest stuff that comes out. I can't own 
55 spay rods. Um, currently I own, excluding trout spay rods, but full blown two handers, what I consider full spay, I'm only on two. One of which is an old 6126-3 Sage European style. And I got that in say 2002-ish. Uh, my wife and I were absolutely dead broke. And, uh, I think I've told this story to podcast before, but yeah, it, it was one of those gifts where she said, I know you really want this, this thing. And I, you know, I've either authorized or set aside the money for you to buy it. And it was like, at my super pro price, it was like two or 300 bucks, which was like a lot of money at that time. Like it's still not a chump change, but it was a huge deal. And it was one of those gifts where it, Generally, when your spouse says, oh, you can buy that or whatever, it doesn't really mean a lot. But at that, at that juncture of our lives, that was probably one of the most meaningful gifts or gestures, other than having children, uh, that my wife had done. And I got that spay rod, and I still got it to this day. And I'll still remember her uh, just saying, yeah, just I know you need that, want that, buy it. Um, anyway, I still have that spay rod, uh, I don't know. 17 years later and the thing's still super awesome because it was the best thing available at the time and uh anyway i still love the rod so i only own that one and then this other 7136-6 so when we geared up to go to the snake which is just an easy day trip from reds uh it's it's not exactly home water it's about three and a half hours uh for me to get there but we drive down in the morning fish all day drive home it's a marathon but we do it anyways because we love steelhead fishing but uh, I needed to set this rod up. So I got the 7136-6. I want a six-piecer. I thought it'd be great. If I fly to BC, uh, it'd be cool to be able to take a six-piece rod. Um, so I set it up with a Scandi head because I like a 31-foot-ish Scandi head for the Snake River. Um, and on that river, the fish, we don't tend to dig them out of little trenches and pits. Um the fish up there will live uh, just up on big kind of boulder-strewn flats um, or just anywhere you have mixed chop and diamond chop just a little bit. It doesn't take much um, to hold those fish. So they live in very particular spots. It's not the easiest river for the do-it-yourself angler to just jump into. Um, I don't want to dishearten anybody, but I also don't want to make it sound easy because it's not. Fly fishing's hard, man. Uh, but... I'm going to make it easier for you. So I set, set it up with a 520 grain Rio Steelhead Scandi. And uh, regretfully, I put, uh, it's not a bad combo, but I put 35 pound Rio Slick Shooter running line on there, which the mono line is nice. I just had it, happened to have it sitting around. But if I were doing it again after casting a couple of Bobby's rigs uh, when we were down for the second day, I would put on 0.032 inch uh of the Rio metered shooting line, uh, with the slick cast finish on it. So that, that new stuff from slick cast, that Rio stuff is legit, but it's like, it shoots like monofilament running line, meaning, uh, you know, I'll explain the anatomy of a spay line here in a second, but the running line, the, the smaller diameter it is, the lighter it is, and therefore it's easy for the shooting head to tow it. But the smaller it is, the easier, it's just more of a kind of a pain in the neck to handle. So, the, the mono running line I had on there was a little thin. It was slipping out of my hands a little bit. My hands were cold and wet. But uh, that that Rio 
metered shooting line uh, in .032 with the slick cast uh, is the cat's meow for that. Um, I'm going to replace a lot of my mono running lines with that stuff. I uh, really, uh, really like it. It's got nice, clean, welded loops on it. Um, so if you're if you're fishing with the head inside the rod tip, it works really good. So I set up with a, a steelhead scandy line and a six-foot, really short, six-foot Rio poly leader in a fast sinking, uh, I think like the 5.6 inch per second fast sinking poly leader. So just a little teeny sinking leader on it. Um, just a short one. And I just yawned. It's like, it's like eight o'clock at night. My daughter's still in the riding horses. She's got this practice to like nine tonight. Um, so, oh, I love my daughter and I'm an hour and a half from home. Uh, but anyway, uh, that meter shooting line is the, the best stuff that there is, in my opinion, uh, at this juncture. Mono's great. It's a little less expensive, but uh, I think this metered stuff's going to last a lot longer. And then what you can do, super pro tip for all you cheapos out there that they're, you're cheap, but you want good gear. After season or two, maybe two, three seasons even, take that meter shooting line and flip it around backwards. It's just a level line. It's got loops on both ends. So you can get you can get twice the use out of it um, versus like a regular fly line because there's no taper. So there you go. There's your nugget, your money-saving nugget just for listening. So I set up with a, a steelhead scandy head, and that scandy head at 31 feet compared to like a traditional skagit for uh, full-blown spay rigs at 23 feet. Um, I'm getting an extra 8 feet just on the head length alone, so that's 8 less feet I have to strip. And then that head being longer is more stable in flight and it's skinnier uh, because it's a lighter grain weight. Scandy heads are generally 20 to 40 grains lighter um, than a Skagit head on the same rod. Um, it's just not necessary to have the same amount of weight. Uh, the Scandi head's skinnier and it cuts through the wind better. So um, Scandies have some really good things going for them for those big open water areas. The things they can't do is cast big, heavy 10-foot sink tips or 15-foot sink tips and big weighted flies that cast uh, like dish rags. Like anything with a rabbit on it is awful on a scandy because it just holds water. Imagine taking a little dish rag and putting it on the end of your fly rod and trying to cast it. I know that's an extreme analogy, but water flies that, that have the Flies that tend to hold a lot of water cast like a dish rag. Um, they just do not work very well on two-handed gear. So that was the setup I put on it. Um, let me, before we talk about how that worked and kind of what happened on the first day, let me talk about the anatomy of a spay line because I realized as I was describing some of this gear that if you're one of those anglers that's aspiring to catch steelhead um, and become a proficient spay caster, it's really important that you understand just the basic, just the basic outline of the gear. So, let me do that for you. So, when I say full spay, and I'm going to keep this podcast exclusively about full spay, it's except for what I make mention of other gear. Uh, but I'm not going to teach about any other gear. We're talking about rods that are essentially 12 feet, more properly 12 and a half feet, to as long as you can imagine, like 18 feet. Uh, the longest spay rods I cast are 14 feet. Uh, I like a 13.6 for big water uh, is, is a great length. I like a 12.6 for most mid-sized water. But we're talking about rods that are 
six weight on up, minimum of, tw- let's just say 12 and a half feet. A 12 footer is really a little crowbar. I mean, it's like a glorified switch rod. Uh, so 12 to 12 and a half feet on up, uh, six, six to nine weight. So full spay. So full spay rods are going to have, um, there's a variety of different heads that you can put on these things. So the rod, let's just say the the rod is a slightly different discussion. I could do a whole podcast about just selecting the right spay rod, but you're going to choose a weight and a length that's appropriate for your stream. If you're on great big rivers where distance makes a big, you know, has a, is going to have a casting distance will have a profound impact on your success. Like the situations that I'm in, I'm going to like to have a 13.6 or a 14 foot rod. I could certainly use a 13 or and, and do just fine, but the extra six inches is, is helpful. If I'm on streams with a lot of structure, boulders, logs, uh, alder brush behind me, a lot of technical wading and shorter casts, hey, 12 to, to 12 and a half feet would be great. 12 and a half is, you know, my preference. Uh, 13 is kind of a nice middle ground for somebody who wants a one, one rod quiver. So that's just kind of the basic, the basic breakdown. We're talking about full spay. Now you can take these full spay rods. And you can really turn them into very different animals. It's like they go through a total metamorphosis when you put different heads on these things. Okay, so I'm gonna start with uh, I'm gonna start with let's just say we'll go uh, short to long. Okay, when it comes to head length on full spay outfits. And what I recommend you do if you want to become a good and successful spay fishermen just get a rod get the best rod you can afford you won't regret it you'll never look back you won't buy it twice if the best rod you can afford is 200 and 200 bucks fine no problem just get the best thing you can afford what you can't afford to do is not invest in the right heads and lines and things and i've done a couple like podcast or video little things about this and i'll probably follow this up with a video tomorrow maybe where I'll actually show you the gear visually. It'll be a shorter video, but I think the podcast is frankly more informative. So the the head that you put on these rods can dramatically change what that rod is, is capable of doing. And I'm going to go from short to long. Again, we're just talking about full spade. This is really super, super duper big trout, steelhead, salmon, sear and browns, okay? like Tierra del Fuego type Sierra Browns. We're talking grain weights of say 375 or 400 grains on up. These are basically like pretty heavy lifting rods. All right. So the first head is going to be what we call a Skagit short. And I'm just going to say that as a line type. It was also a particular model that Rio made coincidentally. They had one called the Skagit Max short, which is currently on like blowout sale at Red's. It's a fine line. There's a better one out now. Go buy it if you want to save a few bucks and if you're going to expand your your head quiver. So the Skagit Short really is nice for anglers that are, one, that need to work short casts. Working a short cast and having the ability to work a short cast is the, the spay angler's friend. You need to be able to throw a little 34 to 30 to 35 foot cast. And that's about the shortest cast you can throw with one of these Skagit shorts. They're typically in the new one from Rio is called their Skagit Max Powa. 
power. Power. You can say power. Uh, Skagit Max Power uh, line. Okay. It's actually pronounced power. I just think it's funner to say it the other way. Uh, the Skagit Max Power. I think I'm, I'm, yes, yeah, Skagit Max Power. I don't know if they drop Max from the name. Skagit Power is what it's really called. Uh, it's the newest one that they have, and it's a 20-foot head, and it's really designed for turning over the biggest flies. And they've they've retapered that head to make it heavier in the tip end where it rolls over that sink tip, okay? So the, the spay line works like this. It comes in essentially, I think, we'll call it four parts. And one part is going to be your tippet, okay? I like the Rio Salmon Steelhead tippet that they make. It comes on nice little spools. I'm fishing 15 to 20 pound most of the time. Uh, it It's very durable. Um, I've heard somebody say it's just got really great knot strength. And if you were to get a wind knot in the line, it doesn't tend to jeopardize the overall integrity of the leader the way fluorocarbon does. So anyway, you've got tippet. On most sink tip setups, I'm running four to five feet of tippet, and I'm running just straight tippet from my sink tip to my fly. I used to tie up these little pigtail things and all that. I don't even mess with it anymore. I put a double or triple surgeon's loop, depending on the diameter of the line, and I loop my tippet onto the end of my sink tip, okay, which is going to be the next ingredient. So then I have a sink tip. Sink tips are, or a floating tip, okay, just a tip. Sink tips can be anywhere from floating, which is no sinking, of course, intermediate, which is an inch per second, all the way down to stuff that supposedly sinks at eight to nine inches per second, okay? I don't want to get too technical on sink tips. There's, there's a lot there. Uh, sink tips can be, uh, most of them are going to be either 10 feet or 15 feet long. Uh, shorter is better for short casts and smaller water. 15 foot tips are better for big casts. And you guessed it, bigger water because 15-foot sink tip tends to swing a little bit slower and present the fly slower. Tips can also be part floating and part sinking. Okay, so imagine a 10-foot tip or five, uh, five feet near your shooting head is floating and then the five feet on the end is sinking. So it's like a little mini sink tip. Uh, so there's a lot of different uh, configurations of sink tips. One thing that you need to know about sink tips is a sink tip on a Skagit style line, the weight of the sink tip is necessary to complete the line. Okay, I want you to follow me here. This is new to you and you're trying to learn. This is like gold right here, right now. Let's just say my rod is, is recommended that it is to be best cast with a 500 grain shooting head. Okay, a Skagit shooting head. In order for that 500 grain head to work, it is assumed that I am going to be adding a sink tip of approximately 110 grains. Okay, that is assumed. Now, I could probably use something from either 80 grains to 140 grains and be okay but there is an assumption with Skagit heads that you are going to put some sink tip on that is relative comparison to the head. Let's just say 20% the weight. I made that number up because that seems to be about where most of those fall. I don't know if that's a formula or not, but uh, 
the line is only complete once the sink tip is on there and or tip, flowing tip or sink tip. Just imagine it like this. If you were to take your weight forward five floating trout line and say we're going to cut the front 25 feet off of it, okay, just some weight off the front, it's not going to cast quite the same anymore. Now, if I reattach that 25 feet, cast like a dream again, that line was engineered and designed to be cast with that rod. So Skagit heads have to have a tip on there. Now, most of these tips are going to be measured in grains per foot. Okay? So grains per foot is going to be how much, how heavy is it? Okay? Not the sink rate. It has nothing to do with the sink rate. Grains per foot has nothing to do with the sink rate. I can have a floating tip that is 8 grains per foot, which would be called T8. Or I could have a floating tip that is 11 grains per foot, which we call T11. Or I could have a floating tip that is 14 grains per foot, which we call T14. And those could all be floating. Make a skinnier, denser version of that. Now they're all sinking. Make a medium diameter, medium density version of that. Now they all sink slowly. See what I mean? You can have a 10-weight line that's floating. You can have a 3-weight line that's floating. You can have a 10-weight line that's sinking, 3-weight line that's sinking. The tips are going to have different sink rates, but they'll be the same grains per foot. So whether I have a fast sinking tip on or a floating tip, the grains per foot's the same and the cast should be relatively similar. Okay. So that's the story on tips. Tips are one of the next parts of that line, and that's kind of how they work. Poly leaders are a little different. They're just a leader. They don't have a, a significant enough grain weight to be included with a line. Okay, so poly leaders are just a leader. Totally different thing. So we've got the sink tip. Now we got the head. The shooting head is measured in grains, as you've heard me mention. It comes in different lengths and different tapers, doing different jobs. Okay. It can be anywhere from 20 feet to, say, 60-plus feet for traditional spay fishing. Well, it could actually be shorter for trout spay stuff. It could be down as short as 11 or 12 feet. But for this example that we're talking about first, short head, short gadget head, 20 feet, that's the shooting head. And then the next piece is going to be the running line. Now, running lines can be made of traditional fly line type material, which we'll just say vinyl. Or they can be made out of a very uh, like flat monofilament, um, which is great too. Monofilament's great. Regular line's great. My preference is that meter running line from Rio at 0.032 inches. I just literally fell in love with that line, that running line. So that's the that's the parts of your spay line. Now you got the running line, the shooting head, the sink tip, the tippet. Okay. Now the running line has a most of them are going to be for full space setups now. You're going to have very few integrated heads where the running line and the head are connected. What happens is I can take that running line and I can loop a different head onto it. And the first head I talked about was that Skagit Max Power or Powa from Rio. Skagit Max Power. I can take that and I can loop that one on there and that's going to turn over. That's going to be my heavy lifter. That's going to be shorter casts big flies, heavy payloads. Maybe I'm throwing seven inch intruders in dirty water on the Olympic Peninsula. That Skagit Max Power is my line for that, man. It's 20 foot head. I throw a 10 foot sink tip on the end of that and a three or four foot leader because I'm throwing such big flies. And I basically got a 33 foot cast when I've got that 
junction of the head and running line right at the end of my rod. So I can make as, as short as a 30-foot cast, which is like nothing with a 13-foot rod, right? So the, the power or the scouted shorts are great for heavy lifting, shorter casts. You can still send it. You know, you, you can still make your 70-foot cast with that without too much difficulty. That's a lot of running line to handle. It can get a little bit messy, and you're going to spend a lot of time stripping it line. Um, but if you're fishing in situations, especially for critters like Chinook, where we might have to cover some big water and get down deep with heavy sink tips and flies, the, the max power, Rio Schedule Max Power is awesome. So, but that's going to be very limiting for distance and you're going to be very tedious in stripping up all that line and it's going to hit the water hard. It's going to be chunky. And then you're also going to get something called bounce back. And that's when you can, you can tell when you watch a real inexperienced caster that's just kind of getting the hang of things and is feeling, feeling, yeah, maybe getting a little too big for their britches and they send a cast out there and man, it just shoots out there and that head just sucks all that running line out and it gets the end of that running line and then boing, it bounces back and they don't even realize it's happening, but they're losing up to 10 feet on their distance and they're making a big mess of their fly and sink tip because they shoot that short, chunky little head out to the end and it's like having a cannonball tied to a string and that cannonball goes out, you know, gets fired out there and gets to the end of that rope or that cable and then boing, that cannonball just bounces back because it's just so dense and heavy, you know, versus, uh, you know, some, maybe something more delicate, like an arrow that's decelerating nice and gentle. Uh, it won't, won't have that same bounce back or that boomerang effect. So that's the downside. Uh, max powers or Skagit short lines in general, they're great for heavy lifting. They get a little messy. They bounce back. Now let's jump up to the you know traditional Skagit head. The new one from Rio is called the Skagit Max Launch. Beautiful casting line. I absolutely love it. I cast a bunch of these the other day. And that is a traditional Skagit head. I believe it's 23 feet in almost all the grain weights. And uh, same deal. Um, you're going to use a you know, T8, T11, T14 tip depending uh, on the grain weight. Uh, we can help you with that if you're setting anything up. You can just use us. But if lines are under 500 grains, you'll generally use uh, T8, you know, four, you know, 475 or 500 to about 575. Use mediums, 600 grains on up. Use a heavy, which is a T14. So max launch is 23 feet. That's a great all-arounder. That's a great first head. If you were to have a one, you know, one single setup to do it all with, that Skagit Max launch is a great, like, just one head to kind of do everything with. Um, and then, uh, when we, we get beyond that, we're jumping into, uh, there, there's some sinking versions of Skagit heads, which swing lower and slower. Uh, those are great for winter steelhead. Uh, they're great for areas where there's a lot of really fast surface currents or buckets and you need to dig those fish out of the buckets. And that's a sinking Skagit head. And the big advantage there is not the overall depth that your fly achieves, it's how slowly you can swing your fly once your fly achieves that depth. That's called the, the game changer, Skagit game changer. And they make that in a variety of different sinking uh, ones as well. But that's a, you're right in that 23-foot range, again, traditional Skagit. Okay, jumping up to uh, two more lines. I'm not going to talk about long you know, mid-spays or long traditional spay heads because there's a very few uh, anglers out there that are really 
I don't think anybody listening to this podcast who's really absorbing this information is quite ready for the traditional spay lines and those longer heads are very difficult to cast. I, in fact, myself struggle with them. I just don't, I don't get enough time on those. I've, I've found them really challenging and not real practical for what I'm doing most of the time. Uh, maybe that's my excuse. I need to probably just step, step up my game and, and figure those out because they are beautiful when you get it right, but a challenge. So I'm going to talk about two other lines. Uh, Scandy lines, that is a anywhere from, there's some shorter versions of it for shorter, lighter rods, but really we're talking about, say, a 30-foot head. So a little longer head, and you can run a 12-foot regular leader right on the end of these Scandy heads. So if you are fishing a floating line, uh, you know, add 12 feet a leader to that. And all of a sudden, we've got 42 feet uh, just from the back end of my head to my fly uh, on your floating setup. And, you know, maybe I shoot another 40 feet, and I've got an 80-foot cast that's just slicing through the wind, landing beautiful. It it's lands on the water delicately, just swings cleaner with less noise, especially in slick open water conditions, big slick flats. Uh, the Deschutes River in Oregon is well known for this. Uh, great place to throw dry lines and light tips and scanty heads. And uh, the takes on scandies are great, generally. The fish float up. You know, it generally has to float up, grab the fly, and come down with it. And it just seems to be a very direct take. Um, not a lot of question whether you're tied into a steelhead when they when they eat on those lighter tips or set up. So, uh, skinny heads are long, and uh, they're great for those big casts. Downsides of skinny heads, no heavy sink tips, and they only cast really sparse, you know, sparsely tied, more traditional spay flies. Little marabou's keep rabbit strip off them, so and they're a little bit harder to learn with. Um, so in general, there's there's pros and cons to scandies too, but it can take a rod, and it can really turn your rod into a whole different animal in that particular situation. So uh, next one's going to be the line that I <laughs> that I am I've not gotten it down to the river yet, but I am. This is the line for what I need to do. So I've grown to like Scandinavian style casting. Uh, and I still do traditional Skagit style casts. The casts themselves really aren't different a lot of the time. It's just the head length. I just like how those things fly. And the last one's going to be a Scandi 3D. And that is a triple density Scandi where I don't have to have any attached sinking leaders. I don't have to have any attached sink tips. I just have my Scandinavian head. I've got my leader on there. I'll probably run shorter leaders like a nine footer. Great for open, clear water so that I can run a longer leader uh, and uh, be a little bit stealthier in these more open water scenarios, especially clear water. And it's triple density, so I can get it um, to sink as fast as five inches per second and uh, as slow as just an, an inch and a half a second, I think. So those are the Scandi 3D, and that's the head, my new head of choice for any big water, open water scenario is going to be that Scandi 3D. Uh, Really, really, I've cast it down at Reds. I haven't got it out on the Steelhead Rivers yet, man, but I am absolutely stoked. I think it is a no-brainer uh, to get into those Scandi 3Ds. I didn't, I didn't know enough about them. They've not, they're not new. Um, they're several years old, but man, I we had, Roger Shearer that works in our shop is like he's spay fishing fanatic. He's spay doctor on uh, Instagram, and Roger. He's uh, he's somewhat nomadic. He he works in the shop for long periods of time, and then he'll kind of take off for the winter and do a little steelheading. And 
such a great guy that we always have him back uh, into the shop whenever he whenever he was ready to come back to work. He's a great spay mentor and just very knowledgeable. But I remember him being so excited when those showed up, and I was like, ah, it's just new stuff. It's just stuff. It's just more skews and more widgets, more junk. You know, like uh, you know. I try to be pretty discriminating about the tackle that I choose to endorse or get into because I have to understand its validity before I can get behind it. But I remember him being all giddy about it. I was like, God, Roger, it's just more stuff, man. And now that I've been fishing, you know, a couple days this last week in exactly the scenario that that Scandi line would have been handy, no loop-to-loop connections except for my head and running line, no hinging, clean shots, a, a little bit denser tip built into that scanty that will really buck the wind. And man, that line is going to be, that's my new best friend. Um, I'm just real hot on that scanty 3d. I just think it's the absolutely what I needed and didn't have. And then I got back and I was like, you know what I need? I need to go try this. I threw it at the launch at reds a few times, the boat launch we have right in front of the shop. And man, it was just, it, it was awesome. So scanty 3d. Now let me wrap all this up. I'm going to try to make you shorten the podcast about five minutes here. Okay. Bring up a couple key points. So I want to make sure I'm doing more teaching than storytelling. I got down to the snake river. Uh, the first day I fished, uh, it was a Thursday. Steve and I jammed down there. We were going to meet chef down there. Uh, I rolled up need to, we were about five minutes before we we're going to fish our first spot and realized, Oh crap. I left my rod in my Yukon all the way back where we met up in the morning. I forgot my rod. I forgot a lot of stuff in my fishing lifetime, but I never forgot my rod. And I was ragging on Steve. I'm like, dude, where the, he didn't bring very much for flies and stuff, but he brought his rod. I was given bad time. And, uh, and Steve, all we always bring two or three or four rods. I don't know why he brought one. I brought none that trip, but chef, thank God he had brought an extra rod. So we went down and found him on the river. I told him what I did and he didn't give me a bad time because he's so nice or too bad of a time anyway. And I got the other rod out of his car and I fished this, this old Echo King, uh, with a big Skagit head on it, which is like the exact opposite of what I planned to fish that day. But I went and I fished my brains out and I fished hard with that Echo King and I hooked two steelhead. I got it done. I, I, Make brings tears to my eyes to think what I would have done with my big rod that day or my, my other rod that day. But I got, I got the job done and I ended up landing the only steelhead of the day and I broke one other one off just cause I got, I went out of my mind the first fish I hook up and I came up for the set, that real low, hard downstream 45 degree set. I felt the fish get heavy, turn, move. I delayed. You always want to let them get turned before you set on a spay grab boom, I was fishing river left, right hand to left bicep hard, just like the textbook told me to do, and bam, and he was already turning at, you know, a pretty good rate of speed, and I busted the line off, clean break right above my uh, non-slip mono loop, and then uh, I ended up landing a nice wild buck uh, later in the day, so I got it done, but I was kind of cringing, wishing I had that other stick, and so, but I was real happy. Um, it was great to have backup gear and I think I did a little Instagram video, like choose your friends wisely, (laughs) find ones that are nice and bring extra gear. (laughs) Um, so went back and then 
nine of us went back and went back fishing like four days later, just kind of like little group outing, you know, kind of team building, just fooling around. We always fool around, have fun, but we want to go do something together. So we went down and stayed the night down there. And, uh, I brought my, that 7136 Sonic, uh, down there with me set up right with that scanty head and the thing absolutely just kicked ass i mean it was just blazing line speed tight loops bucks the wind did great and uh several of us caught fish that day bobby hooked up he got one uh oh what was he pitching i think he was pitching his nrx uh bogey and shipping he was pitching a claymore to skagit a true skagit head skagit launch uh he picked one up. Eric uh, Nickham was fishing with me. He picked up fish on his NRX. And uh, uh, I think he, yeah, he was fishing a Skagit Max launch. Some of the guys aren't as good with the Scandy heads, and they still like to fish those Skagits because they're just more comfortable and better with them. Um, they, they're they doing fine. They're working their brains out. But I think ideally if you set your sights, you know, on having the best big water setup that you can when you don't, the fish in that part of the world, the fish on the snake, and the same thing with the clear water, the Grand Ronde, they don't particularly favor large flies like coastal steelhead. They'll certainly take them, but it's not like a big advantage. Uh, the water's relatively clear, and they tend to take smaller, lighter, sparse flies. So big scadget heads aren't necessarily an advantage there. But uh, a bunch of the guys did good, but uh, I ended up uh, literally last run of the day, rained all day we had a campfire had a bunch of big fun and man i hooked a fish at the end of the day and i was telling eric nickham was with me uh man i was throwing about a hundred foot shot just real consistent which is uh you know if i were a competitive spay caster that wouldn't be you know real far but that's a pretty good poke for me you know to consistently fire out a hundred feet again and again and again and i don't mean getting a lucky you know putting one together and getting a nice shot once in a while i mean like my casts with spay fishing, they have to hit tight and cleaner. They're not fishing. You might as well reel in 20 feet and, and fish shorter with a nice, tight, clean cast. But I was telling Eric, we were just about wrapping up. And, man, I was just I was stepping this fly right down into the spot. And I'm like, I just knew it was coming. But they had already wrapped up in Dallas. And I go, man, just, just a couple more. I'll make this like one of my last casts. And those swings take a long time. The current's not super rapid. And this, the, the swings take a really long time to work through. And I told Eric, I'm like, man, I'm like, dude, this is one of the few places where you can throw 100 feet and, you know, or more. You throw 120, I might have been throwing 120 feet. I don't know. I'm, I'm making numbers out there. But it was my longest cast of comfort and consistency. And uh, I'm like telling Eric, I'm like, man, this whole thing, he was right standing right beside me. I'm like, this whole thing is fishing, this entire swing. And I'll be darned, man, I hooked one up on my last cast of the day, uh, early in my swing, fabulous take. You know, my fly could have only been about 12 to 18 inches under the surface. Fish floats up, grabs, turns, positive hookup, fish on, landed it, last cast of the day on that Sonic. And, uh, what was, what was really cool was just like, it was done to like the exact execution that I'd hoped, you know. Caught it in a big run, big water, uh, great long cast. Um, you know, that on the snake, you can't really bite off 20-foot casts and 30-foot casts and expect to have a lot of success. Can once in a while, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on it. But, uh, yeah, I hooked it up on the last cast. Now, um, when it comes to spay heads, all right, so 
uh, you got a lot of information. If you hung in this long, great job. This is pretty technical, but if you want to become a good spay caster, uh, I think some of this stuff, and spay fishermen more importantly, you need to know. What I would encourage you to do is do what I said about getting the best rod you can afford and then get heads for each situation. So get the right head for the job. Get a 13 foot seven weight. I don't care. Whatever you get. That's a nice middle of the road, kind of the 30-06 of spay rods. And get one of those. And then get a Skagit Max Power. They're 60 bucks. Okay? Get a couple of sink tips. They're 20, 25 bucks. Get a Skagit Max launch. Use those same sink tips on the launch, but get a three foot longer head for casting stability. So you don't blow your anchor. You'll get the three the three foot longer head will actually get you more distance because of loop stability. Um, three feet will transfeed into you know another eight to ten on your shot um, with consistency, and then get a Skagimax game changer if you're going to be fishing for winter steelhead or chinook. It's sixty bucks. Use those same sink tips, uh, and and you can make yourself a very versatile angler, and then finally get a Scandi head or and or a scandy 3d and uh, get the right heads for the job so that you can plug those in to that rod and do very very different things and make an investment in your spay rod but don't forfeit you got to leverage that investment don't forfeit success because you don't want to buy multiple heads or you don't understand them you can change a shooting head in literally a minute or two minutes on the side of the river, and it will dramatically change your ability to present the fly. So anyway, I hope this was po- was was helpful. Um, it was not possible to keep this thing under 30 minutes, but thanks for hanging in there. I appreciate you listening, and I hope you get out there casting big rods for big fish, throwing big casts sometime soon.